Matthew Hoppy and Hoppy's in for Schalke. Magnificent finish. Amina Reeks run meanwhile here. Looks for Hoppy again. Oh my word! You cannot write this kind of script. Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, willkommen zum einzigen Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. This is episode 126 of Schalke America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me on the show, as always, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this evening, man? Not too bad. Nice little break from the podcast, which, uh, you know, never a bad thing right after relegation no. becomes, <laughs> becomes final. Uh, yeah. glad to be back with you though, and uh, definitely a decent amount to talk about tonight. We do, we do, and it's been uh, it's a bit like you mentioned, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, it's kind of almost felt like a little early summer break with the, we had the Hertha reschedule because of COVID and this and that, and so it ended up being like almost like two weeks now. So, uh, uncharacteristic for during the season, but we'll take it. Any little break here before the final stretch here. Um, we know what happened this past the weekend, this Saturday in the game. So before we get too doom and gloom, you celebrated Mother's Day by watching replays from the mother of all derbies, Schalke versus Dortmund. I wish I should have. I should have. Right? I don't want to get in trouble with the wife, so I didn't do that fair, fair. <laughs> before I went to bed. <laughs> uh, but before we get too doom and gloom, uh, you know we've been t trying to inject as much positivity as we could into the podcast. But who are we? We were just some lonely Schalke, Schalke fans who uh, do podcasts, right? So. We enlisted the help of a, a friend of ours, someone you may know, to help us, uh, help, I guess, give some positivity to the, to the... Let me just play the video, right? Let me just shut up, all right? Hello, everyone. It's Christian Fuchs, former Schalke player. It has been an awful, crazy season for everybody, player, fans, everybody around the club. As well, it has been uh, a crazy season for Schalke. Definitely unexpected. Definitely not the level that Schalke belongs to. I'm sure... The team, the club will do everything to get back into the Bundesliga where Schalke belongs, which is the standard for a Schalke team, for the club itself. Um, please support them. They deserve it to get back to the heights where they belong. And just to know, you are listening to Schalke America. Glück auf. Thank you, Christian. Uh, yeah, see, I mean, uh, we got we say got we got to stay positive here as much as we can. Uh, we're ending the season hopefully on on a good note, Jack. We thought we were going to really get into this uh, final stretch on a um, a good note, but I guess, uh, yeah, it didn't quite turn out how we wanted, huh? Well, for me at this point, what I would consider to be a, a, a good note is uh, making use of, of some of our younger talent yes. and uh, trying to whatever extent to prepare for next season, given that this season is officially uh, not worth playing for anymore. So from that perspective, there's actually some things to talk about, but uh, from a result standpoint, then yeah, obviously it's another uh, pretty horrendous defensive collapse after a somewhat promising start, which is a script that we've seen a number of times this season. So nothing, nothing new on that front. I see some of the, some of the guests in the chat are recognize our guests there. Yes. Christian Fuchs uh, with the uh, little uh, nice video for us. Uh, yeah. Let's you talked about some of the youngsters that we, uh, we wanted to see, and we did see uh, some of the ones in the lineup uh, in the starting lineup today or on Saturday, I should say, obviously Timo Becker is a guy we always been seeing a lot this season. Uh, Florian Flick made his uh, debut into the starting 11. Um, also on the bench. We also saw, um, Uh, Brooklyn Kevin Ize, we saw Levent Mercan, who we've seen many times, Sean Pazuan, Matthew Hoppe, and also uh, Jimmy Adrian Caparos. 
Um, thoughts on the youngsters not only being called up into you know the bench and maybe you know Florian Flick starting, but also some of these youngsters that got opportunity later in the game. Yeah, Timo Becker, as always, somebody that we like seeing and, and um, you know generally good account of himself that he that he puts out there. Uh, yeah. Florian Flick, yeah, that was that was the debut, um, and that was the one that I think I had the biggest impression taken away from, partially because he played an entire ninety minutes. Yeah, um, which yeah. which I wasn't expecting actually. Um, but and you can give me your thoughts on him in a minute. But I I, I liked him a lot. I thought he was very poli- uh, positionally disciplined. Um, I, I thought he had very good field awareness. You constantly saw him with with shoulder checks wherever he was um, and, and you know people always talk about when you make make the jump from you know like a second division team to to a top flight team everything gets faster the speed of the game increases those sort of things one way to combat that as a, as a young player is to try to do as much of your assessment of what's happening before you have to do that assessment so you know so many times you see actual like experienced professionals on Schalke um ball watching and and what you're seeing him is as he's moving around he's constantly throwing a shoulder check so that in case a pass comes to him not only is he correctly positionally oriented you know to receive that pass but he also has some understanding of where people are before he can has to look there so that when he receives the ball he has sort of a picture of the field is able to make decisions a little bit quicker um i thought his passing was pretty good um from from all distances short medium and long range passing played a couple nice diagonal balls that i noticed um, and, and very much sort of a different profile of player to some of the guys that we've seen in in a central midfield role. Guys like you know maybe Chan Bosduan, for instance, who's a little bit twitchier, a little bit faster, more willing to take somebody on in the dribble, more willing to get forward, get wide a little bit. Uh, Flick was very much the base of that midfield three, um, and definitely more in sort of like a link up role uh, and kind of screening the back line. I didn't think he was you know going forward as much for that sort of thing. So um, I, I thought he was I thought he was promising. I liked him. I thought he was pretty composed what, what were your overall thoughts from from his debut yeah i mean outside of the the fifth goal which no one looked good right where everyone just ball watching and baby end up getting that, that goal um i thought other than that he was he was pretty good pretty solid like you said it's you know you know for someone who's making his debut um it was was solid he, he was looking around as you mentioned good passes good awareness as you as you mentioned um i thought overall it was a positive debut for him um, what a what a goal would have been nice, right? Sure, but for that we can't. You know, we've been a goal has been hard to come by this season in general for Schalke. So you know, who am I going to say to for a youngster to get it? But um, I thought overall it was a promising debut, and uh, it's it's let me to be hopeful because we're seeing more and more youngsters, which we kind of hope we wanted to, because next season we 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 believe it'll be many youngsters uh, involved heavily throughout the season. So uh, why not get them to start early and, and get them a little taste of some uh, Bundesliga action now before. Yeah, there was, there was a point later in the second half where that midfield three was suddenly boss Dewan flick and uh, Caparos, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. So yep. Um, three very young, you know, young guys right there. And, and like, like we said, I mean, obviously you don't want to have an entire field, like a starting 11 of, of 19 year old kids in the Bundesliga. Cause it's not going to be good for their confidence, but yeah. to whatever extent possible work as many of these guys into the game, like Grimatis was doing in this one. I, th- I think that's a good call for the rest of the season. Well, at least we'll have some savvy vets back in the defense, right? It'll be uh, Tiao and uh, Becker, right? <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's what's interesting is, you know, this. It, so the, the, we kind of set up in a in a 5-3-2 against the ball, more of a 3-1-4-2 yep. in possession. Yep. But that back three is, is Ochipka and Becker are two of those members of the back three. Those are generally the wing, wing backs. backs. Yeah, not, not the center backs. So, I mean... <laughs> on the one hand, when you look at how many goals we conceded and you're looking at a back three of Mustafi, which, you know, g- good and bad from him in this game. But like, you know, yeah. it, that's kind of what you always expect with him. And then two guys that aren't really even center backs to begin with. Um, you know, I, I think maybe we should have expected something more along like the lines of this, given what our defensive performances typically look like. But um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Continue down the path of wherever you were going to go before I went off on that tangent. I don't know where I was going, but I, I was just going to you know talk about the goals because like first after the first half, it was a it was a much better performance than we've seen in a while for Schalke outside of win. Um, you know, we Mark Booth got a goal in the twelfth minute. Nice play there where Serdar gave it to Schop. Schop made a nice move inside, fed it to Serdar again. He found an open Mark Booth who, uh, who put it away nicely. Uh, won I think there early in the game, and then you know continued putting pressure against Hoffenheim. You know, put him on their back foot. Hoffenheim looked like the team we beat for nothing earlier in the season. Uh, we ended the first half with Bastian Chipka getting the the corner into Mustafi for the goal. Nice goal off the uh, off the off the corner post. Um, it's see what happens when you do, when you have a person who can cor- who can cross the ball as your crosser as opposed to I mean Harit, uh, but I digress. Uh, so two nothing, you know, going into halftime and, and looked like hey maybe you know I opened my my, my big yeah. mouth and I said yo hey we should always play Hoffenheim, uh, and then then they woke up in the second half and turned into PSG and they had four goals in a matter of what fifteen minutes. You had Kramerich with a great free kick, uh, uh, Okpaguma who had a nice header. I mean nothing Furman could have done about that. Baumgartner with a shot in the sixtieth minute. Ahead there and then Bebu with that when well, they just tore us up in a 64 so game set and match but before the 65th minute it was uh started out well but it, it gave us false hopes because we kind of expected a 4-2 result maybe four nothing but um having the two goals early i think kind of threw all of us off and gave us a little bit of hope we didn't need <laughs> and, and here's the thing that just blows my mind though is like richard you've been doing this a long time you've watched enough of this Schalke team to know that you shouldn't go on twitter at halftime and, and and talk about what a great performance this is because you know, know. you're just inviting misery upon you like 20 minutes. I mean, normally 45 minutes later in this particular case, 20 it was, minutes. It was you know it was two nil at halftime, and by the 65th minute, it was you know four two or whatever it was. <sighs> Absolute insanity. Um, going all the way back real quick to the to the first goal that you mentioned, the first goal that we scored. I actually did want to talk about this though because, in my opinion, this was not a particularly good offensive move and was actually indicative of a lot of our issues in transition that you saw throughout this game and throughout the season, which um, there's multiple runners, like Huntelar, generally often furious for not receiving the pass. But what you'll see is whoever's bringing the ball forward will wait until the strikers are like, have eclipsed you know the, the the yard box and are kind of getting into a position where there's not a whole lot they can do before yeah. they decide to play a through ball in or whatever like these balls need to come in a lot earlier and um i, I would have to go back and watch that play but but i think i, I remember that being like shup kind of probably should have passed that earlier yeah and, and it kind of made a pretty sloppy play and then we got lucky because the center back literally slipped in the box as that was falling to mark Oot, and he had no one defending him and was able to poke it home so i mean Good for Mark Oot. Happy to see him back, you know, in the lineup and good for him to get a go off to everything he's been through, you know, injury wise and also, you know, from maybe a criticism perspective uh, at times. So, you know, happy for him. But like I didn't I wasn't actually particularly pleased with that as an offensive move from us. So that was an interesting play because I, I agree with you. You know, the way it started out when when and um, Schoff cut on the inside, he should have, you know, fit at the Huntelar or or uh, it was a Harid or whoever the other runner was, and he didn't, and they had to wait at the line, like you all said. And luckily, Serdar was the last one to run to, to slow down, and he found Serdar perfect time with then Serdar with a heads up and and found Mark Oot. But uh, yeah, to your point, he, they should have found the strikers a lot earlier, and you know, luckily the play worked out. But yeah, it, or found Serdar earlier because I, I just pulled it back yeah. up. And he, he's actually making a pretty incisive run that gets bypassed. He has to stop, turn around, and then he receives the ball when he's like standing still, yeah. and is luckily able to play it back in. But that's what I mean, like the momentum of some of these. Moves moves gets killed at times um, and i think luckily for that you know the way that defender fell down is because that whoever that second runner was outside of uh maybe it was huntelar huntelar's run uh the defender was like in left no man's land and he didn't know which way to go and he fell and it fell right to Oot, who put it away so i mean 
it turned out well for us, but uh, yeah, it wasn't the best executed uh, attacking movement. Um, you know, when you're watching it live, like, oh, that was beautiful. But when you watch replay, you're like, ah, that, it, there were some flaws, and it, it has been a repeat uh, problem for us all throughout the season. Yeah, the uh, the second goal you mentioned too. Yeah, when we went up two 0 at halftime, uh, it's a really nice header yeah. from Mustafi. It's a it's a decent delivery in. He like, looks surprised. <laughs> I mean, it was you know upper right upper right ninety. So yeah, maybe yeah. you don't expect it that accurate of a header all the time. But it's all connection. The thing you see from Mustafi is he's pretty good in the air, and he's also pretty good going to ground. He tends to go to ground, I think, with a with a greater frequency than we see a lot of center backs do, particularly in the box. And oftentimes he executes those pretty well. It's just the times where he gets caught napping out of position or just assume somebody has a guy covered when he should be, you know, checking that a little bit more. Um, yeah. So frustrating, but yeah, I mean, not, not a first half that you watch and say, Hey, we looked great because we didn't, but you know, took a couple chances and, and for the most part, reasonably competitive game at that point. And uh, unfortunately it just got out of control real quick on the backs of, you know, ridiculous free kick from, from Kramer. It's the fourth goal they scored. I mean, people out of position, but it's also just really well worked. A lot of quick passing, you know, in and out. Um, so it's it's yeah it t- tough performance overall and, and you feel for those guys because at, at this point yeah the season doesn't mean anything but you know any win that they can pick up is going to be a nice emotional boost any goal that they score you can yeah. tell how much how excited they are for like literally any goal that they get in there and so for them to you know be at halftime with that kind of lead and then see it slip away that quickly I mean you can the, the frustration and the I mean it was visible from the players they were furious out there with stopping until our gang you know. Dirk was saying, uh, Huntelar played? <laughs> He's like, yeah, Huntelar was very quiet in this game. Many, and many, to be fair, many players after halftime were quiet. Um, what I was going to say is now I just lost my train of thought when I looked at that comment. Um, yeah, I wonder what was said at halftime because was it something that the Hoffenheim manager said to really pump them up, saying, yeah, you're going to lose to a relegation team? Or was it Schalke just celebrating, hey, we're going to win this game again? It's just the same like the first game where we won 4 nothing. Like something happened dramatically at halftime. And granted, this was coming. We saw glimpses of this in the first half where, where Hoffenheim were getting closer and closer. Uh, Skov or whatever his name was for Hoffenheim came close many times with his free kicks. Uh, and Baumgartner as well. So, you know, it was coming and eventually we kept giving him too many free kick opportunities in front of the goal. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Let him, they have some good free kick takers, including Kramerich. They finally paid off. And, and that's what I mean is that, you know, that two goal lead, I think at halftime wasn't indicative of the, the balance yeah. of the play that we saw in the first 45 minutes. Hoffenheim had chances. They had a goal um, disallowed for offside early um, yeah. on a play where I think that may have been a Mustafi error in terms of just not, I mean, yeah. Mustafi was in front of the runner, so it, that would have been behind it. But anyway, um, yeah, it, I mean, so it, yeah, the halftime team talk. I mean, one one thing that that was a graphic that was shown on the broadcast, and that this actually got some play on Twitter too. I don't know how, you know, how relevant this is, but I did think it was interesting to note is they they showed the general the average positions of the players before and after Schalke scored. Yes, and so like the second, I mean, I don't know exactly when when that was taken, but condensed, compact, significantly, and we started giving them so much width for them to attack into like wide in the final third. And, you know, so much of the first half, even though it wasn't particularly good, was, was marked by a lot of a lot of the field being taken up by players. Schalke getting forward and, and trying to put pressure, not letting them build that easily. And we, we just kind of backed off entirely. And, um, I, you know, I'm not saying that you have to take one strategy into a game and just because that's what got you the lead means that's the way you win and that you never make adjustments. But, um, I mean, that seemed to be a little bit reactionary for a Schalke team that doesn't need to win this game anyway. You don't really have to protect. I mean, like you might as well yeah. kind of keep doing what's yeah. working for you in that sense to some extent. Yeah. So that was kind of frustrating to see. I don't know what the halftime team talk was, but there was definitely an adjustment, whether that was purely psychological on the part of the players or an actual 
um, instruction, but that seemed to kind of work against us, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think to your point, you know, we we're not trying to save any points and get any points. No, we we're already eliminated. So just keep playing the way. You know, if anything else, you're testing out what you can do, what can work for the future, uh, maybe future games this this season or for next season, going and get some confidence to go in then. But I don't know. It was just. It wasn't good in that what we saw in the second half, if that's what you want to call something. We, we said it was just terrible overall, and four goals in a matter of what twenty minutes in the second half, and really is put to bed after that, and no reason really to watch the game after after that fourth goal. Um, and I'm sitting there, I remember sitting there at halftime. And my wife's like, "Your team's actually winning." I'm like, "Yeah." And then the first goal is, goes in, and I'm like, "Here we go." <laughs> and sure enough, every couple minutes, goal, goal. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what is going on here?" So four two. Um, Something else I wanted to mention briefly too, just and uh, tactically, this isn't once again, it's not super important to talk about these things at this point in the season. But like, so much of our buildup continues to be down the sides, and like, I I understand that when when your general shape is what it is. I mean, it's easy to kind of use that wing back as as a pivot to kind of you know to get up there. But when you have players like Harit and Serdar who are sitting in the midfield. And are as talented as they are at at dribbling, at you know, like the progressive dribbles and, and, and some of those things. You would think that you would do whatever you can to try to get them in a position to maybe advance the ball centrally a little bit more. Um, and I think, like you know, especially in the first half, when things are that spread out, you're you can shift the ball back centrally into a greater amount of space. And so often when we compact the way that we do and we do turn the ball over, there's no spacing and these guys are all bunched up on top of each other and there's defenders in the mix and it's so much harder for these guys to operate. And I think we as a team need to try to put more emphasis on getting these guys into space and letting them actually be the creative forces that they are. If the only time they're touch, if they're just chasing the ball around defensively for 90 minutes and then like getting one touch like around the box, I mean, it's harder for these. I don't know. I, I just think, you know, Alessandro Schuff being 41% of your buildup in the first half, like, isn't maybe the best way to go for it. That's just me. But. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. I think the, the best moments that we had in that first half was when we were playing quick passes, one, two touch passes, and going in the middle and spreading it out. And I think, you know, to your point, you know, like, use that middle space. If we can, if we play so wide, get it to Serdar and Harit, who can really maneuver in the middle get the defense to compact and then get out wide, get your wingers to cut in, then you can get the pass, and then you can really open up a team. We've seen many teams do that, um, and that would be the way to do it because you got, like you said, two talented guys in the middle who should have, with some room, can you know get some maneuverability and start running down the pitch. Uh, kind of what led to that first goal for Schalke is, you know, Serta eventually got a run going, fed it out wide to shelf, and then and the whole play started that way. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why they're not doing that. Um, you know, they're playing what we saw – after that's two goal lead, they started playing much slower. Yeah, they're still using the wings, but they're playing much slower pace. And at that point, you're giving the opposition a chance to regroup, really set their defense straight, and then you know be able to counter you should uh, should the turnover happen. Um, another glaring glaring statistic from that first half is that yeah, we were up two nothing. You would have thought, oh hey, we must have been dominating the game. No, we were what we only had like thirty five percent possession. I think two shots on goal were the two goals, two like three shots total, two two on two in the goal. So it wasn't the most beautiful first half it just yeah. uh we got the goals which is rare which this this you know this year so uh yeah it'd, it'd be one thing too if, if these wide players that we're talking about are actually getting into the final third and playing in crosses and this is yet another game where we have almost no crosses played we're massively outperformed in that category so if you're gonna have all your build up to those areas only to have it ultimately be Colasinic or, or Shup like holding up the ball and then picking a pass to the center as opposed to like actually you know whipping something in from wide I would prefer somebody else to be making those passes to be trying to work that out. I don't know. I just it, the emphasis seems 
off to me, but I don't know what else we can really try to tweak yeah. or achieve uh, at this point know. in the season anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So game ended 4-2, uh, and we got a short turnaround because uh, one of the games we missed was uh, against Hertha, and so we're playing them uh, this Wednesday. Uh, it'll be interesting because we missed the first time against them because uh, they had several players who had COVID. I don't know if we we may have had a couple as well. Uh, but news broke, I think, today, Jack, uh, that an unnamed player uh, test positive for COVID, at least one player. So we'll wonder, I mean, we'll, we'll find out in the next 24 hours if any more players were impacted. And uh, hopefully the game doesn't get delayed anymore so that we miss uh, have to prolong the season any longer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think this is still an issue with the different regional requirements for certain things. That could be. It, it, yeah, and like there was one shotgun test. So it's like, who was he exposed to in the last couple of days? And is that going to throw the whole thing off again? So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not more uh, postponements, but um, <laughs> I, mean, I think I think all the Shaka players want to get these games like behind them on the calendar as quickly as possible. They don't want to just like keep yeah. postponing these; they just get it over with. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean fans too. Fans too. <laughs> They're not the only ones. Uh, so w- one thing that was on the calendar, Jack, uh, was the uh, election of the supervisory board. Uh, many names, at least the fans were were hoping, would probably get a seat. Uh, Uli Pazzo. Uh, he was instrumental in the rumors with the Rolf Ranić. He had some ideas of himself of how to make this team uh, more successful and and just a better product overall. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, he did not get a seat, Jack. And uh, many people was I guess controversies coming up. People had their thoughts about why he didn't get it. Uh, what were your thoughts on on, on the whole supervisory on? selection and everything yeah, and this this is the area of Schalke that I'm the least comfortable talking about just because I, I don't know as much as I probably should about the internal club structures and the politics yeah. and, and and you know a lot of the figures on the ground over there the candidates even in the first place um yeah but I mean Uli was somebody that had like seemed to have a kind of a significant online presence in terms of his campaign and everything hey he follows you doesn't he <laughs> yeah, she actually might. Um, but, you know <laughs> somebody that was making some noise at least in the Twitter sphere about about things and I think there were some 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 continuous supporter base that at least wanted him to be somebody that could be voted upon. And the problem is there's this there's this the way it's being framed is there's this unaccountable election committee by Schalke that determines who the final ten candidates for that position are that get voted on. So it's like yes, the the, the supporters, the members are still getting a choice, but they're getting a choice from like a pre curated list yeah. that they can't vote on in the first place. And um, I mean, there's there's reasons why that is. Uh, I mean, I I don't know I don't know how else you how you tweak that to to avoid that necessarily. I'm sure there's some social we could come up with. That's the way it is in the moment. So, like, I think okay. people are upset that there's somebody that had a vision for the club they partic- you know, resonate with, and they don't even get the opportunity to vote on them because he's not being allowed to get put forward. And there's different views on why that's taking place, you know. But um, so that was interesting. I just thought that was uh, kind of a big piece of news in terms of a lot of what was going on in terms of the, the shopping conversation online and everything. People being upset with the uh, the short list of candidates there. Yeah, for those of you who are listening in on the podcast uh, or watching us here on YouTube, uh, let us know your comments on Uli Patzel not being selected uh, for the, the final 10 for the supervisory board. Uh, I'd be interested in let us know on Shalk America on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, moving on to, uh, a, I guess, a bit of good news. I don't know. I'm curious to your thoughts on uh, Matea Schober, former uh, former player with Schalke, actually, uh, was named the new sporting director of the Kanapenschmiede. Uh, many wondered if he was going to take over the role of, of Peter Canab- Peter Canabo, but uh, Canabo is going to keep his place, uh, and he's going to work like as his assistant or in charge of the Kanapenschmiede. Um, he's done some good things with Mainz, uh, if I memory serves correct. But what are your th- what are your thoughts overall? I mean, obviously bringing an internal guy, a guy who knows the club well, um, to help uh, t- continue the growth of the youth. Um, I believe he was a sport ahead of sport and development for the Kanapenschmiede. Yeah, I mean, so. 
I thought I thought Torsten Veland actually had some interesting comments on this. Um, in, in, in a, when he basically said it, it seems that we're moving towards a direction where there's there's no longer a single person accountable for like the entire sporting department, and that we're tending to delegate and specialize a little bit more, which is a more modern structure and right. potentially something we've been, um, Lacking you know, dragging our feet on in the past. So I mean, with with shorter coming over from 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 mines and stuff and being responsible for the entire licensing department and and you know. It, Certain people, you know, came in like I'm. I'm a squad planner. I'm, you know, I'm doing more of like the business side of things. And now it seems like we're really specializing and delegating and having a, a team approach to some of these things, which maybe would be helpful. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that direction generally? I, it's, it's it. I, I see. I see the appeal of either of them, but I think I think that the trend is that like there's been these singular strong figures um, in the Shaker hierarchy responsible for those areas in the past, and they're trying to diversify a little bit. Yeah, the, the word I'm hearing is that uh, Schober does know what he's doing. He's done some really good things at, at Mainz. Many people have looked uh, positively on his time at Mainz and what he's done over there. So it's looked as as a good move. And like you mentioned, it, it's more towards the modern game and where you know there are specialized people doing whatever. And and you know ultimately, if that's what gets the job done, and um, uh, he you know we find people who are or super good at what they do in their specific roles. Then great, you know, this is going to work out, and plus the fact that he is a a guy who know who knows the club can only be good things. He you know he he was around the Kanapich meeting. He knows the team. Uh, he knows the what it is to be you know a Schalke, uh, and so to have him on the team, I think will be only a positive thing. Hopefully, I'm hoping. Um, but you, so you got to trust the, trust the process for now, and uh, yeah, let's see what it, what what we can do here in the off season and going into next year, and see how the team uh, you know if they excel. Uh, under this uh, movement and do we see further changes in the similar similar vein of this right more specialized it, people and, and i think that's potentially a good sign in terms of what canaval is going to be doing like you know and i'm sure that may have been part of the you know the conversation when he got the position in the first place but um the idea that you know he, he recognizes maybe areas in his own knowledge base or whatever that that he needs help on or that he thinks you know it would be be more efficient for the club if it was somebody else specializing on these specific things and him not yeah. trying to you know be that that main guy and do everything so maybe that's positive in terms of you know his direction and how he's trying to revamp us um who knows time will tell on that front but um yeah yeah no no for sure um falco we see you in the chat we see your comment or your question we will get to it here in a second because it does relate to something else we're going to talk about but first uh jack uh, contract news um first off we did hear you know during the two-week break that there were some players who contracts would be null and void once the season ends because the rele- relegation was official uh bastion ochipka as well as bastion, uh, benjamin sambuli uh, were officially going to be their con- released from their contract once the season ends um, there were also, what we did here also, at least what I saw, was that uh, Ut Harit and Suat Serdar do have contracts that do allow them to play in this fight, the Bundesliga. Now, that is actually interesting to me because there was a lot of talk during the two-week break that, uh, you know, they, Kanawa came out and said, you know, whoever doesn't want to play for the team, if they feel like too threatened from what happened from the, the bus attack, they don't have to play for the team anymore. And the names that were rumored to be amongst them that are not going to play anymore for Schalke were going to be Ut, Serdar, and Harit. Uh, but they all started in the game, so we obviously that's a false rumor. So that's why you shouldn't really believe in rumors until actually you know we find out the truth. Um, I'm gonna believe that those three players in particular, you know, talking about those three, yes, while they are they should have they have contracts allowed them playing this fight the Bundesliga. I think a team that's in debt and you know really we're looking to kind of rebuild our team through the youth. I think those are you're gonna sell those players and try to get some money for them, Jack. I, I don't see either any of those three players uh, joining us in this fight to Bundesliga. What what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't either. I mean, Harit has to be one of the guys that you think we're going to try to cash in on. Um, uh, Serdar as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you talk outside of Weston McKinney and, and Ozan Kabak, it's 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 always been Serdar and Harit that you think are potentially the most marketable uh, and would get us the best return. As far as Mark who goes, like, part of me thinks it would be interesting to see how he would fare in the fight of Bundesliga. And part of me has a sneaky suspicion that he might actually, like, be a fairly effective player for us at that level, but like at the same time, it's just never happened. Yep. In in for him at, at Schalke, and I understand that like he didn't come in at maybe the ideal time in terms of what was going on at the club, and he certainly had you know uh, any striker in our system is, is struggled, but like it's just it, does the prospect of of Marku continuing with the team excite anybody? Is anyone like, oh yeah, like thank God he's sticking around? I mean, no, I mean no offense to him, I'm just saying like he's, he's I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on. Um, Especially now if Katucha comes back, hey, from loan. Who knows what's going to go on with that, or Hobby, yeah, or you know yeah. whoever. And Katucha yeah. did come out recently and said he's excited to play in the Spite Bundesliga next year and and, and help Schalke get back to Bundesliga. So if there's there's that at least, we don't know how that will work yeah. out. And, and the thing um, I'll say real quick is. I do think it's the right decision from those players to continue playing for Chicago for the rest of the season. I think that's a good move, like from yes. like PR perspective for them and for their, you know, and their sellability. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that being said, like I don't think I would have blamed any of them for choosing otherwise based on what happened and the fact that the club offered that and they still elected to play. Um, I think was 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 nice to see and a positive statement from them. So I was I was appreciative of that. And two of them hooked up for the goal, right? One of the goals. So that's that's yeah. a that's a good thing right there. So so um. Uh, Matt, I see your comment about Yuri Mulder. I thought I heard something too, but I I didn't see anything definitive on my end. Wasn't that that he wants to join the supervisory board? Uh, that might have been it. I think so. Also, there was another one. Um, who was the other person? Um, oh my goodness, there's one more. The one more former player. His names escape me. I'll get it by the end of the podcast. Either way, um, some other players who contracts expired. Or pay. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, that's what it was. Uh, some c- other expiring contracts on the team, uh, Alexander Schoff, Steven Skripsky, and Nabil Benteleb. Uh, and then some loans that we're going to be losing is uh, Kylian Ludwig, Frederick Vinov, uh, Kolasinac. I mean, that's up in the air, I guess. Uh, William, William uh, and then Paciencia. So, um, and then obviously Mustafi as well, but I I doubt he's going to be staying uh, after all that's happened. Be- Benteleb is going to be the latest, like... He'll stay. For- <laughs> Life <Life-er. laughs> But I gotta be funny if like we just never got rid of him after everything. <laughs> yeah, he ends up being like the most dedicated player the ball gets to yeah. stay outside the stadium. Oh my god, uh, Bentaleb! Like Bentaleb is one of those guys that like you would have you would have guaranteed that we would be able to cash in on him a little bit, get something for him, and he's gonna be the latest addition to like the the you know contract expired walking for free saga. I mean, especially the comments you heard that said like he is going to be gone in January. You know this window, like. <laughs> And he's here. <laughs> and then it's like, not only is he not gone in January, he's actually getting reintegrated into the squad briefly. And then we never saw him again after like the one cameo. I don't know. It just the whole thing. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think Ben go to Byron and become a star over there. I think the <laughs> Shalk America podcast will view like Ben Taleb the way like the daily show views, like divisive political figures. Ultimately it just gives us something to talk about like all the time, like regardless <laughs> if it's important or not. Yeah, we're gonna miss the, the content. The lightning rod for us to keep us going. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so uh, some other news since we, you know, since Falco did bring up Huntelar, will he stay one more year? That is a good question because um, before the news broke this past break that we had, we thought, yeah, for sure, you know, been him and maybe Hoppy together, and they find a way to really tear up the Bundesliga. 
I think we got some really excellent news during the two-week break, Jack. I don't know what your thoughts are, but Simona Taroda, a perennial 20-goal scorer in the Svita Bundesliga, joins Schalke. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your immediate thoughts when you first heard of this? And uh, what are your thoughts now that it's been settled here now for the last week or two? Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see some of the pushback or like some extent to like the mixed reactions to this. Like, listen, I mean, to be fair, there's different angles to approach this from. If people are concerned sure. about like a contract or whatever, like enough spending money we don't have in the spider Bundesliga or whatever. But like, as I said on Twitter, like Torada is Bundesliga 2 goal scoring. Yeah. He's the all-time... Bundesliga two goal scorer, and that's not like all of that production was in the past. The guy has what twenty three goals, five assists this season at age thirty one. So like the production is still there. And none of them obviously. are. Pen- I think very few of them are penalties. I think too. So I mean, like it, they're goals. Yes. Yeah. And and it's just yeah. It's just, it was very just mystifying to to not have everyone be like, yeah, this is a massive coup for us. Like, who else? I mean, if if we're gonna be signing players like from that division. Because that's kind of like where our maybe recruiting is going to be at this point, from like a financial perspective and all kinds of things. Who's at the top of your list ahead of that guy? Yeah, no. In terms of an offensive name. impact, I mean, like we're not scoring any goals this season, and now you're going to be like not be excited about a guy that has 23 this. Se- I don't know. I don't. I don't understand it. But I, I do get the concern from the Huntelar perspective of that's two very similar players from a profile yes. standpoint. How would they work together? Do we need to move one yeah. of them on? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, we, it was already in the thought that Huntelar is going to retire at the end of this year. So what do you say on one more year just to get him back to, fight the, or back to the Bundesliga? Uh, that that would be the question. Um, now, well, now, it would be nice to have two guys that are similar. It's going to be hard about who gets the pitch time, right? Um, but if you could figure out a way to have, you know, a plan A and B and two similar guys who can score goals, why not have no drop-off of the striker and just build it and make sure everybody else around him, you know, continues to feed them? Maybe, you know, if Hoppy stays or Kotucha comes back or Bozdwan, whoever – um, can feed them the ball. That's the important thing, I think. You know, what we've yeah, seen like, with Toronto, wherever he's gone, he scored goals. Huntelar's not going to get the pitch time. I mean, if he stays in that yeah. situation. I mean, he's going to yeah. be the guy that's coming on later, that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah and, you, and you probably wouldn't play him together. But uh, I'm not opposed. If we can find it, if we can work it out from a financial standpoint, I wouldn't be opposed to Huntelar sticking around even if we do have Toronto. Um, if he, if that's what he wanted to do, I can't imagine he would. But, like, yeah. if he cared, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having him still just for his knowledge base, you know, the impact he can have on the team and, you know. Yeah. And I think the deal for Taroda um, is an extension should we make it back to the Bundesliga. So I guess he would get a last hurrah in the Bundesliga to try to do something good after failing at, at Cologne. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. I understand the whole dilemma about the contract situation, but we are, we should be relieving a lot of that money with the sales this offseason, um, hopefully, at least with the big contracts we can get rid of. So at least we can afford that much aspect. But like you mentioned, a lot of youngsters and a lot of Saito Bundesliga players are going to be coming in. And honestly, if there's any other player that, that has his caliber of goals but is younger, you're going to pay a lot more. And so, I mean, you're, he's one of the leading goal scorers every year in Saito Bundesliga for the last, I don't know how many and, years. And once again, he's a profile player that we haven't had a lot of recently yeah i mean like so many of the guys that we've we've signed have been you know like the, the twikerts of the world the scripskis like the smaller faster guy i mean like and then, every ta- and then every time we come up against like full krug we're like god okay. wouldn't that be nice you know what yeah. i mean yeah. and like Toronto's like kind of somewhat that that kind of stylistic yeah. of, a, of a player so um you know very much drop back connect the pass get to the center of the box receive the service now we have to focus on acquiring players that can actually provide service, particularly from wide areas for Toronto, which is going to be important. And we don't have a lot of those guys on the team at the moment. So that's going to be one of our next focuses, I would imagine. Yeah, we have to like see what we got in the in the, in the Kanapich meter, see if we have any fast wingers on there that we can uh, incorporate into the team, including you know some of those uh, youngsters that are currently getting their, their, their 
their chance in the lineup, you know, with you know Flick this past weekend. Boswell, I'd like to see more of him. Maybe Marcon get more opportunity. Um, and I'm curious to see how they fill out the defense with, you know, Ochipka going away, Mustafi more than likely, Sambuli. Um, you have to believe that Sané is going to be one that's going to be sold. I don't see him coming to next year. Even though he's played, you know, with Hanover in the past and he's played in that fight to Bundesliga, Bundesliga level, uh, you would imagine that, you know, he's one of the players would be a hot commodity, especially if he is going to be healthy. You know, that maybe the question is the health and maybe he has to play, prove himself one more year to be determined, I guess, Jack. Yeah, that's. I, I hadn't considered that. That's interesting, the, the health component of it but yeah you would imagine he'd be somebody who'd be snapped up by yeah. some Bundesliga team he's certainly good enough for that level so yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah short turnaround like I said game Wednesday and then a game again against uh, on, on the weekend against Frankfurt so busy week ahead the English Volker uh anything else you want to chat about tonight Jack before we uh, wrap this one up I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something because I feel like a lot happened over the last two weeks but no I think that pretty much covers it from now so yeah uh, I feel like there's something else that we missed, but hey, it, it is what it is. We'll be back next week, right? <laughs> uh, we want to give a – oh, I would say, you know, if you haven't done so yet, please uh, sign up for the Schalke U.S. newsletter. You get only you get information not only on the club, uh, get the latest on the Royal Blues, the local fan clubs across uh, North America, and also uh, here's some information about our podcast as well. Uh, keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. Uh, we want to give a special shout-out to Christian Fuchs for those nice words uh, in our podcast today. Um, and then also a shout-out to Schalke as well. We got some giveaways we plan to give out. Give out. We want to giveaways we want to give out. And there's me two weeks in a row with these beautiful words, Jack. Um, we have some giveaways we're going we're gonna to hand out here in the, in the closing weeks, uh, end the season for us, at least on a good note. Uh, and so stay tuned for those giveaways, Jack. Um, where can our followers find you on social media? Our followers can find me at JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. I thought I just, you were gonna I thought you were gonna say our followers can follow me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be redundant a little bit. Our followers can unfollow me at JM Mangan. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Schalke Schalke sent uh, some of the American supporters a nice a nice gift. I, I was gonna unveil my my Stein attachment for the Veltons tonight and I forgot about that, but maybe maybe next episode for sure. Uh, yeah, and then shout out uh, close personal friend. Of the podcast, Christian Fuchs uh, has the cameo watermark on all of his videos that he sends to his friends. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, but that, that was that. <laughs> hey, 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 pretty good pronunciation of the Schalke America. That's 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 tripped some people up because it is a strange word. Nubel struggled with that, and Caligari did too. Yeah, yeah. So shout out, shout out to Christian Fuchs. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm apparently eager to talk tonight because we had like two weeks off and now I'm just rambling constantly. This has been now a, I want to end the podcast. Look at that. Yeah, that that's yeah. how it works. Uh, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you follow and subscribe to the YouTube page, uh, and then obviously follow us everywhere on social media. Shalk America. So until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Glue golf.